This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And this is the post-Boxing Day edition. We've had the Boxing Day match and it went very well. So we thought we'd have a little of a post-Boxing Day chip make. We myself, Billy Grant, in the virtual joint once again because we're still tier four right up. Even though I did go for a little bit of a stroll down on the beach this morning because I'm in sort of kind of south coast tier four and I'm not being funny it was like Piccadilly Circus on the beach there's all sorts of characters making their way up and down the promenade they thought you know if you can't yes if you can't go inside we're going to go outside in our droves but all socially distanced I dare say it was very nice very sunny just after the storm Bella hit last night it was all sorts of winds and waves and all sorts of nonsense taking place last night so I feel very passive now and very chilled after seeing the Bees win at the mighty, mighty Cardiff 3-2 yesterday. And I'm here with my pals in the virtual joint as well. I've got Matt the Allard. Allard, how are you doing? Season's greetings to you, Matt. How are you doing? Yeah, season's greetings. A belated Merry Christmas to you, Bill. Um, I'm, I'm good. Uh, experience the same as you when I went out for a walk. I think we did Boxing Day was Richmond Park. Today was a, a cut through Bushy Park and um, the whole world's out at the moment. But um, it's nice to get out, get a bit of fresh air, get a few miles in the legs, just walking and, um, yeah, I'm all good, really. That's good. I'm glad that you're feeling good and obviously you've got a big cheer on your face. I'm not even going to talk about yesterday, Boxing Day. Let me just cast your mind back to the Newcastle game, which gave you so much cheer, didn't it? Oh, it was just, it was brilliant, wasn't it? I mean, it was such a sort of, it's not a relief, is it? It was just, it was just you sort of think these things don't happen and we've been sort of, you know, had these big games and we've had loads of them and, and you just didn't really feel like, I, I don't know, I, I kind of couldn't really imagine it happening to some extent. But then I thought about Newcastle, I just thought, you know what, we've easily got the beating of them. Then the team comes out and there's a load of people sort of getting upset about it and I'm just thinking this is exactly the team I expected because, you know, Godos had played a B-team game. Thompson and Daniels had also played the same B-team game. They were playing that, obviously, so they were going to be match-ready for this game. Um, Tony had started every game as long as I can remember, so at some point we were going to have to give him a rest. So it, it literally, we lined up as I expected us to, and when I thought about it, I thought, you know, we this team is 
good enough if they can perform to win this game and, and exactly as it proved it was you know it was great really and, and I think what it proved was a couple of things uh, number one we are a good side and number two we can rotate the squad around and actually we're benefiting from it because we looked fresh in that game it didn't look like it was an extra game in our legs we didn't need we, we looked fresh and, um, and we took it to them yeah I mean we looked fresh and it's interesting you talk about the rotation of the team I mean people were talking about strength of depth and they're a bit worried that our bench is also always looking a little bit kind of weak you know the first 11 we knew who's going to be in the first 11 but it's looking a bit weak but maybe it's a case actually of a name branditis <laughs> the fact that people if they don't see a name brand on the bench they think oh no this bench isn't any good but I think it's proven to us that if our pretty much of kind of B plus or kind of B B plus side can get to the semi-final of the League Cup then we've actually got a fairly strong bench don't you think? I think it's reasonably strong yeah I I kind of think the first team picks itself still. I think the only sort of position that we were doubtful of was um, was probably the left attacking position. Although you could say in the last cup, you know, the last game or two, um, a certain Mr. Canos has made that position his own. Um, so apart from that, you know, the, the, the team sort of picks itself. It's pretty much yesterday's team. If you know, when we talk about the Cardiff game with De Silva in for Marcondes, and that that's off first 11 but we're getting to the point now where we can see players like Marcondes coming in and it's not particularly weakening us you know um, Godos there's still some work to do without a doubt um, but you know as I said it's um, it's it's feeling that we, we can swap things around a bit we've obviously got force what a, you know what a great guy to have on the bench he's fresh as a daisy at the moment and at some point we're probably going to need his goals too we will do as well you know we're going to need all his goals we're going to need everything we can do we're going to talk about that more in just a little but first of all I'm going to go over to the other liberal the liberal the real liberal I'll say because there's been too much we've got this imposter liberal this west country liberal who keeps on popping his head in every now and again but we thought we need to go to the real local liberal and get our view from liberal Tom uh, season's greetings to you and to you too Bill I mean uh, yeah well I'm feeling a lot better after that Boxing Day feast of football I mean I thought okay, I was not expecting much from a game against Cardiff on Boxing Day but we were treated to a real treat there weren't we we were treated to a real treat. I mean, the Allards, he's been, he's been salivating about the Newcastle game. You've been salivating about the Cardiff game. We've got lots of things to salivate about. Obviously, the, the Christmas food has actually got our, got the old lips going in this one, hasn't it? Oh, it's the best. It's, it's what a time to be a Brentford fan, eh? This is what it's all about. We're getting drama in the cup. We're getting drama in the league. We can't get much better than this. That is right. That is right. So, listen, anyway, Christmas cheer to everyone. We've been talking about Christmas cheer a lot, and it's really nice that we can continue to talk about the cheer especially after going to Cardiff which is always a little bit of a nightmare for us because they are not the easiest team for Brentford to play against and we don't necessarily always get the results that we want to out of there but listen other than that what we thought we we're going to do is that we're going to have a little bit of a break a little bit of a post Boxing Day break so that we can actually sort of kind of take stock and a little think back and then what we'll do is we'll come back and we'll talk about that Cardiff game. So Brentford 3, Cardiff 2, or is it Cardiff 2, Brentford 3? Oh, I've got no idea. Depends on if you value these home games and these away games. You know, travelling away from home, is it been more difficult? Because, you know, there's no fans in the stadium. So is it even itself out? I don't know. But no matter which way around it is, Brentford beat Cardiff 3-2 in Wales on Boxing Day. And it was a bit of a result. And I'll tell you why it was a bit of a result as well. It's because for me... Everything seemed to be going our way. We seemed to be controlling that game, doing what we wanted to do. 
at the end of the day, for me, you know, I always see Thomas Frank as a person who, if he can keep the game to nil all for 70 minutes, then he'll flip it up, bring a few players, change up the game. You know, he's, he's, he's ground down the opposition and we just take it up a few notches and we can nick a little win. And it seemed to be going that way. Then out of the blue came that wonder goal from the cheating Volks. Um, it wasn't a cheat when he scored that goal, but there's a bit of cheating coming on a bit later on. And uh, we went 1-0 down, literally on the on the dot of half-time. And at that time, I thought, oh, my God, it's against Cardiff, it's against Neil Harris, it's against you know this team who, who knows how to bully us. We're in all sorts of trouble. But actually, it didn't seem to, to, to bother us that much, did it, the Allard? No, I, I thought the same as you. I mean, I just think, you know, if letting a goal in before half-time is a bit of a nightmare letting a goal in like that before half-time is, is a bit of a nightmare and to be honest letting a goal in against Cardiff um, for them to take the lead 1-0 just before half-time is an absolute nightmare they're a, they're a team that you know we we struggle sometimes to play against um, they have a way of playing it's very sort of rudimental shall we say and um, we don't always you know if we go behind against them it can be hard work and we've seen that uh, whoever you know whoever's been the manager in, the, in recent years um, so I, I felt the same as you uh, I think what happened though is that we came out in the second half and we were positive straight away and it did feel like we was we were creating things before the Canals goal that actually we this wasn't going to be a big setback and, and we were going to go for it without a doubt D- definitely we're going to go for it you know we were going to go for it and I think Thomas Frank you know there's been sometimes there've been a few question marks about the old Frank, you know, about kind of you know late substitutions, tactics, and everything like that. But I think you know him playing the long game, he seems to be playing it right, and this is a prime example of how you know maybe he has played it right. There's a few question marks when it came to the Newcastle game about the team, you know, even today uh, or on Boxing Day as well. There's a few question marks saying, you know, is this the right thing? Is this not the wrong thing? But the fact is that you know. He's got to balance up between basically, I think it's not even winning games, it's not losing games, keeping players fresh and rotated so that we can get the results when we need to. And as long as we keep on kind of just not not losing um, and staying in the game, I think we're going to be doing all right though, don't you? Yeah, I just think it's. I think he's doing a brilliant job of rotating the team. I mean, I mean, I believe we've come. I think it's a seven-week period of two games a week at the moment, and um, I think we look fresh. And I think we we look fresher now than we possibly did even maybe four or five weeks ago. And it's to and it is part of this rotation. I I think the mindset of a lot of supporters is you just pick the best eleven for every game, and then so that's why they moan when De Silva doesn't start yesterday. But you know what? We got a fresh De Silva now against Bournemouth, and we beat Cardiff. That's the point of rotation. We're going to be talking to, to, you know, Pete from Cherry Chimes as well. And he's going to be talking about the fact that how he's questioning his manager's rotation. And it just made me think, you know, maybe how Thomas Frank, it's almost one of those things where you think at the time, oh, I'm not sure about that. But in the long term, when you look back at it, you think, tell you something, I think you've got that right. And if maybe a few results which we thought were bad results, where we maybe got draws when we thought we should have won, maybe they'll actually end up being good results in the end. The Liberal, I mean, you, I know you're very happy about this game. I mean, what in particular, you know, sort of kind of stood out for you? I mean, Sergi Canos, obviously coming of age, is something that everyone is talking about at the moment, isn't they? Oh, it's difficult not to talk about it. I mean, there is is something about Sergi that is just, uh, that epitomises that kind of Brentford spirit. He's not the best to run, you know, not best to run into this, but now he's, he's playing his socks off. He's working hard and he's getting that bit of luck. He's getting that break now, you know. Shots that he was trying before weren't making the net now. They're, they're finishing up in the back of the net and that's making a real difference. But but to me, what stood out was that, that game was a really, uh, it really had 
as you say, nil-nil written all over it. You know, it didn't look like there was many goals, but but we still managed to get three in the back of the net. And I think that fighting spirit to come back as well with one nil down, uh, unheard of. And I think it's a, it's a testament to how we're doing. Because I think actually you've done them a bit of a disservice. I don't think it's not about not leaving. I think we've been competitive in so many more games this season. We've you know we've really taken everyone for a really good game. And and that's all I can ask for is that we're playing nice, attractive football. Uh, you know, I'm happy, and, and that's now turning into results. You know, people are sort of kind of weighing it up. I mean, if, if you check out, you know, Second Tier Podcast, I've done a little comment on this week's Second Tier Podcast. It was a great little podcast. It's a championship-only podcast as well. And a couple of guys, Ryan Dilts and Justin Peach, they talk only about championship football. And I was on there talking about Brentford and purring about our win against Cardiff. And like I said to him, I said to him, look, you know, maybe we're not playing as pretty football as we were last season because you haven't got the players like Ben Rama doing what he's doing when he just sort of kind of pulls one out the bag you know and you've got Ollie Watkins doing what he's doing up front and then you've got Brian Boomer who's actually kind of much more confident maybe than he was this season you know so you you know but that was towards the back end of the season don't worry but what we are doing is that we are actually kind of pulling these results out the bag and we're not losing as many games as we were last season which actually may be a benefit and we, we actually may be going up a gear by not necessarily having such creative players in our side I mean yesterday I mean, we talked about the, you know, the Volts goal, cheating Volts. Um, wasn't a cheat when he scored that goal, but he cheated later on. We'll talk about that later. But there's actually four quality goals in that game as well. And the fact that we're talking about the fact that there's not much quality in our side. We're not saying there's not much quality, but we're always comparing it to last season. The fact that we, there was four quality goals in that side and three of them coming from Brentford side and three of them coming from one player who's been getting quite a lot of abuse. You know, there's, there's a difference between criticism of Canos, which he's been getting, and we've been critical on this podcast. It's, it's cool. Sitting down there saying, we're not quite sure if he's up to it. We're not sure, sure if he's after his injury. He's, he's as good as he's good. Listen, that's fine. But when you actually kind of say really nasty things, you know, saying that he should get certain diseases, that his 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 what's it his his um his restaurant up north, you know, hope it goes bust, you know, all these kind of really nasty things are tagging him in on it. That's out of order. Why would you ever do anything like that to your own player? But we'll we'll move on for that. Sergi Canos, is this a turning point for him? Do you think the Allard? I guess I'm um, I'm sure it is to be honest because he we we've seen Sergi Canos for many years now and I think all of us know he's not as bad and and he was struggling and I'm sure Sergi would admit it himself I mean I wouldn't you know um I I think at the time it wasn't the right time to call him out about it and stuff but I bet if you sort of you know get another few games down the line and you ask him how did you feel you were playing earlier in the season I bet he'll admit that he was that he was struggling albeit that remember we watch it on telly I kind of saw a different side to him when I went to the um, Blackburn game because I could see how hard he worked and and I and and that sort of made me think you know what I think he he still definitely has got something and um and and he hasn't become a bad player sometimes you can get an injury and you don't really come back for it maybe we saw that a bit more with say Alan Judge or whatever but you know with Canos he's he's finally got up to match fitness and he's absolutely flying Canos will always be somewhat frustrating because he's always trying things all the time you know and he and he will go for long shots and stuff and yesterday everything came off for him which was great in fact actually not everything came off for him because I think he could have probably had five um if everything had come off for him um because he had another he had other chances as well um but I think you know he's, he's back to where where we knew where I think we knew he could get to he is and you know 15 games unbeaten for the bees I mean this is I wouldn't say unprecedented because that's such a term to use in 2020 but it is um it actually really goes to show you 
how we are kind of like solidifying, you know, the team, the fact that we're actually making ourselves really hard to beat. And even though some people might say mm, they're not sure about Brentford this season, if you go to any other team, any other fan of any other team, they're actually getting quite scared to play us because they're thinking, listen, if we can get a point off of Brentford, we're doing well. You know, never mind three points of us. So we're actually got ourselves in quite a good position where at the end of the day, like I said to you, we're setting ourselves up not to lose. And also, I mean, the question I have to ask you, and again, I'm going back to you here, the Allard, you know, Janel, he got a, he got a right kick in, especially in the second half from from Cardiff. You know, after a while, they just realised, hold on a second, this is this is the man in the middle here. Volk's in the middle, you know, and you have got Janel in the middle. It's like who's going to be in the battle of the man in the middle? And they just he just started to kick him. They started to just chop him down and just try to try to get rid of him, like you know. But he is a man who's who's been really holding up our midfield. And uh, interestingly, Norgard, who's been out for three months now, he went out in the Preston game. We were two 0 up. Well, we were two 0 up at half time. Um, um, Norgard went out, and we kind of fell apart in that game. And since then, we were finding it taking a, a while to find our way. And it's great that Norgard's come back, and you see when he came back into the side. Well, this was against Newcastle. He was. Um, it was just you could see the class of Norgard now. Norgard was out this game um, because of a couple of couple of knocks that he got towards the back end of the Newcastle game, but they were precautionary. We've been told that you know everything is fine and he'll be back to play very soon. But the question: Norgard and Janelt, can they play in the same side? Should <laughs> they play in the same side? What is the score there? Do you think the Allard? Um, okay, let, let's just quickly cover. Um, you know, when Norgard came back into the Newcastle game, he, he sort of came in and he just looked like he hadn't been away. I mean, th- this was a different thing to Canos coming back from injury. And remember, Norgard's injury wasn't as serious as Canos's, of course. But he, he literally walked out on the pitch and straight away he was back in. Um, and that's the quality of Norgard. Um, I think, um, I, I do wonder yesterday, he's probably had a little bit of a niggle and they thought, you know what, if there's one team we're probably not going to throw Norgard in against coming back from injury, maybe it's Cardiff. Um, and there's a bit of history as well with Cardiff. You've got to remember, you know, with Volks and, you know, you know, could there have been some, maybe, you know, they were a bit worried about retribution as well. Yes. So um, so it's probably actually made sense to keep him away from that game. Janow, absolutely. I mean, what a player yesterday. He battled and he battled and he got kicks and he got kicks and he got kicks and more. Um, and to be honest, Volks, I mean, you talk about a sort of a yellow and a half card and that's what he deserved, an orange card or whatever. I mean, it was pretty bad. And if he'd have been sent off, I think... I think that would have been particularly unreasonable either. It was, it was, it was pretty nasty challenge. Um, can they play together? So, um, I the interesting question. Um, I think you know it. This for me is a it is not dissimilar to can Force and Tony play together. Um, so, do you want to play one of them in an advanced midfield position? Um, where De Silva, Marcondes and Jensen plays, which is what you'd have to do to get them both in. Um, I'm not sure you do, if I'm, if I'm honest, because you've got three good players that play in those sort of attacking positions. They're creative players. Um, is it you asking too much for Norgard or Janel actually to start creating like those three players do? Maybe not. Could you change the system? Um, and this is, again, the same discussion we had with the with the Tony and Force thing you could maybe go 4-2-3-1 um, we played that a lot under Warburton and we had that rotation of it was um, Toonami um, uh, McCormack and uh, Douglas and the three of them sort of rotated so you, could, you had two sort of holding midfielders playing together so potentially you could play Jan out and, um, and Norgard 
in that system, I suppose. Um, that could work. But again, you take a creative player out if you do that because you're only playing one extra central, one extra midfielder and then two wide players. So there are ways of doing it. I, I don't think we need to do it, to be honest. I, I think maybe there's the odd game or the odd situation, maybe... 30 minutes to go you're protecting a 1-0 lead for sure have them both on the pitch that's, that's, that's going to be you know that's going to be great for the side if you really want to go out and get a draw in a game play them, you know maybe sneak a goal yeah play them both together um, I just don't think um, I don't think necessarily our strongest 11 would involve them both playing together mm. and, and maybe we might come back to that conversation again as we approach the Tottenham game because maybe that might be a situation where uh, especially with Mourinho's style of football as well um, <laughs> maybe you've got maybe you've got sort of two teams who are sitting here waiting for the other to cover each other and uh, and and nick and, and nick of a goal on the break I, I yeah i was thinking exactly that you could you could end up with both teams looking at each other and going going you go, um, you here go. you go um, you have the ball you, go. Go, you have the ball and, and we want to hit you on the break that's right <laughs> that's right so liberal tom i'm going to ask you just quickly neil harris um, he, I mean, he, he, he's caused us problems for years and years. And interestingly, he's a mate of the other liberal, liberal chap that lives in the West Country. And he's also saying such lovely things about the Harris. But the Harris wasn't lovely about Brentford after this match. He wasn't magnanimous in, in, in defeat, was he? Not at all. And I, I couldn't stand for the life of me why. I mean, I don't know how he thought really they deserved to get anything out of that game. I didn't really feel like they created much. And even though we played into their hands the way we defended, you know, we gave away a lot of silly long throws. I didn't feel at risk from them. And I think, you know, I can't believe he's getting angsty about the way we played and the way we looked, but we deserved the win, I felt. I thought we created better chances, we, we were in control of the ball a lot of the time, and we looked solid at the back. And also, as, as, as Matt was saying as well, you know, I can't believe the folks didn't really get sent off for that tackle in the middle of the park, and if they're going to have 10 men, it, it could have been a rout, you know. It was one of those games, so I don't know what the, other, I, sorry, I don't know what the Liberal was uh, doing in terms of uh, his relationship with Neil Harris, but I reckon he should be on the phone to him saying, are you sure? And checking he wasn't on something funny over Christmas. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, you know, it, it's he say something ridiculous, like, you know, you know, kind of threw three balls into the back of their net or something, you know, something which wasn't kind of giving us any credit whatsoever. Um, I mean, it's interesting. I was talking to, you know, some characters out there who do, you know, a lot of analysis, do a lot of... Uh, um, looking at championship football and uh, and I was just explaining the way that Cardiff uh, played and I said you know other than their long throws which they had plenty of and the free kicks and, and a few corners that they had which obviously they were bombarding our goal I mean we had to be properly just like literally repelling them from uh, all these kind of sort of kind of balls that were coming in from that but other than that they didn't create very much from open play and uh, they don't create very much from open play normally this is how they are the most dangerous and uh, like I said to you they're, they're a fine margins team Neil Harris you know he basically gets the margins he just basically gets as many throws and free kicks and whatever like that as possible and if you can nick a goal from it you can do not knocking it because listen every team has got its own style of playing but it must be quite frustrating because I can imagine if you don't get those free kicks and them throws and them corners <laughs> then you're struggling to create anything aren't you yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think Neil Harris is starting. To, he's going to typecast himself as a manager that that only knows how to set teams up to play this way. Um, and he's a young guy, you know, and and he we, we, he did this at Millwall. He's done it at Cardiff. Now, albeit he he came into Cardiff um, and he took on a team that played that way already. So, but he's had now an off season and he's had a transfer window. And if he did want to try something else, he's had the opportunity to try it, and, and he hasn't. And, um, and what's going to happen for him is that even if he has some success doing this, um, 
I would imagine, I mean, not all chairmen are that clever um, or, you know, or the people that basically bring managers into their clubs, but I would imagine they're going to realise that if they're going to bring Neil Harris in, they're going to have to play a certain way. And that may make him less attractive to some clubs, you know. The thing for me as well, though, is that we're, we're winning now against anti-football teams. That's making a real difference, is that those anti-football teams we're managing to get points against. And that, that to me, is massive. So it is, it is. And just looking at this game as well, I mean, you know, Neil Harris, I mean, he may have been really unhappy because maybe he thought 3-2, it's very tight. But look, there were 16 shots from Brentford, six from Cardiff, you know, 11 from open play, three from Cardiff, five set pieces to the Bs, two from Cardiff. We had, I think, 60-odd percent possession, maybe more than that, actually, maybe even 70 as well. I mean, on the XG front, Cardiff, like I said, he created very, very little, really. Volk's goal was brilliant. You know, scored that from 55 yards. But if you looked at the XG, it was actually less than 1%. So less than 1 out of 100 of those shots. If he took that 99 times more, it would never go in. Or more than 99 times more. It probably, you know, if he took it 200 times more, it wouldn't go in. So fair play to him. He got that goal. But other than that, you know, their XG was, I think it was 0.44 was theirs, which shows that, you know, how much that they created. And they also, they scored the second goal as well that you get which is a very well taken goal but again you know coming back to that as well I think that's a little bit annoying the Allard um it's no their XG was 0.19 it wasn't even 0.44 so it's 0.19 which is even lower than 0.44 so they've got a they got the first goal fantastic great and then they got another goal but other than that they created very very little card if Brentford is 0.98 which is interesting showing how we're still keeping it tight we're getting a you know we had quite a few opportunities in the area they weren't huge opportunities, but we, we, we created the goals out of them, which is which is quite good. But, you know, I think this sort of sums up where Brentford is at the moment now. We are keeping it a lot tighter and we're seeing if we can nick these results. I mean, this game, the fact we actually managed to eke three goals out of it compared to the quality of chances that we created is actually very good. And I think it's testament to Sergi Canos, who uh, he's been doing, trying to do this for a long time. And as, as the Allard says, they've all come off. But the referee, he was a bit rubbish, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he protected us. There were loads of, I mean, you know, Cardiff type challenges were flying in. In the end, what was there? Was there only one or two bookings in the end? One for booking yeah. for Cardiff, one yellow card, and that was it. Yeah. Um, so you sort of, I mean, there were penalty shouts at either end, which were 50 50, potentially could have gone either way. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I don't think he protected us really. And I think that. That's you know when you play teams against like Cardiff, you need a little bit of protection. Um, not and and within the rules, clearly. I mean, he let a lot go yesterday. The ref, um, and yeah, one booking. That's that doesn't feel like that. But it didn't feel like it was a one booking game, to be honest. To be fair to Volks as well, he scored a he scored a wonder goal. Um, and you know, listen, I'm not going to talk about his. In fact, we haven't even talked. We haven't talked about his cheating. The fact that he's hacking all over the place and sort of got red cards. Forget about that. Let's talk about this goal. Where, to be fair, he picked the ball up. He looked up, and he knew exactly what he was doing. Ball from what 50, 55 yards. Lobbed it over Raya, who was on his 18-yard line, roughly. Saw the ball went scrambling back in the back of the net. I have to admit, I was a little bit disappointed with Raya. Because it, it had flashbacks of Fulham to me, where you know Raya was in the wrong position. Fulham noticed it, bang, put the ball in the back of the net, and from them they said that they had got a little word from Parker that Raya can be seen off 
position at times and if he's off position just go for it and just go for a goal and that's what Fulham did at that time Volks said to do the same thing and 100% Mr. Mr. Harris the fine margins man would have said to him tell you something have a look up at their keeper and if you ever see him off his line just have a pop and they did that and to be fair they scored but as we say 99 or probably sort of 300 299 out of 300 of them shots would never have gone in the Allard I mean do you think it was Raya's fault or is it just one of those things we were unlucky I reckon Raya was probably more or less where we'd expect him to be. Maybe he should have started retreating a bit earlier because they'd got the ball. But I, I, I think it's a calculated risk we take to play Raya f- up the pitch. I, you know, basically, he's, you know, people say sweeper keeper. That sounds a bit naff, but that's, that's effectively what he is. And he plays a bit further up the pitch. He's good with his feet. We're comfortable with him playing with his feet in his own half. It gets us back on the attack quickly if he receives the ball. And also, to some extent, you know, it, it, you're, you're lessening the space between the keeper and the centre-backs for through balls. So the through balls have to be bang on accurate, otherwise they're coming to Raya's feet. I, I think it's what we do and it's calculated. The Liberal. Well, I think there must have been some sort of different ecosystem down that end of the pitch because the ball is whirling around because that seemed to be where most of the goals were scored. Uh, and there's definitely something to be said for the fact that also we saw then Smithies got lobbed later on in one of Kenyos' attempts. So there's definitely something to it. But I'd say, uh, I'd say it's not Ray's fault. I think these things happen. I'll take it. Um, I think we move on from it. I think more, more often than not, we're, we're far happier when he's clearing the ball and creating an opportunity than, than if he's stayed back and then he you know, kind of gets caught in no man's land and has to take out the man. So I'm not too put out. But uh, yeah, let's, let's hope we don't have too many more repeats of that over the course of the rest of the season. But the question I'll also ask you is, did you go, um, every time Smithy's got the ball, did you go, Smithy's? I mean, I'm sitting there in my front room and every t- literally every time he got the ball, you know, my daughter's going, why do you keep saying that? I was like, going, Smithy's, Smithy's, like, you know. But that was from his days as QPR and also Huddersfield keeper. And some things you just can't get out of your system, like, you know. But for me, I'm going to say this, and, and, and okay, played in goal, wasn't the best goalkeeper in the world, but I understand about the goal, goalkeeper's work. And for me, I understand about Raya being on the halfway line because if the ball comes through, you could be there first on the ball. But what I didn't understand is as soon as the ball breaks out of defence and Cardiff picked up the ball, he should have been retreating back to... I thought he should have been retreating back to his line. He should be, you know, he should be pulling himself out of space because it, their, their man... I don't know, I, I know you're sort of saying no, but their man was on the ball. I think their man was on the ball. So I think they should have been retreated back. And if anything, you're leaving it for your defence to be picking up that because our defenders were there, you know, or thereabouts. And I just think for him to be on the 18-yard line when their defender is running out with the ball at his feet, I think that you're kind of like dicing with death just a little bit. But, um, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit overly critical on him there. I think when Volks picks the ball up, he's got a through ball opportunity and I think it's Pinnock was the last man back and they had a centre forward and it would have been Pinnock versus the centre forward. Um, And if Raya is, uh, you know, if he's up the pitch, he can potentially cut that out. So, yeah. Um, it's it's risk risk you calculated risk in it. Yeah, at the end of the day, it didn't matter though because uh, we we won the game out of it. But I think that if we uh, if we'd lost the game, then I think people have been sort of questioning a few things a little bit more. But listen, not knocking Raya because, like I said, he's a great keeper and he's done a lot of positive things for us. And also, like I said to you, he's like another he's like another fullback a lot of times, which is all good. But moving on, is it was good to get you know I think. Well, some of our old teams coming back. Like I said to you, Norgard came back from the Newcastle game, which goes to show you that he's he's getting ready, you know, probably getting ready for the Bournemouth game. We had good old Pontus Janssen 
was back as well. Pontus Janssen was back for this game as well. So he's the old skipper in the middle there, sort of kind of doing the business, which is great. So all of a sudden you sort of see that the original defence is back as well. And other than the other than the not point, you know, not one, you know, percent chance of scoring that goal from Volks, other than that, you know, they didn't get much of a sniff other than the header that they got in, which I'm still getting really annoyed about. Again, how come all these teams keep on getting you know, we do there's still a bit of an Achilles Hill that isn't it for us? That um kind of header in the middle and uh, or ball across to the middle and the header in or do you think it was a case of numbers where they just basically lobbed the ball in so many times into the area that eventually they actually would have got a goal I think it's tricky I mean but from my perspective uh, the way I look at it is that Pontus Janssen isn't as strong in the air as, as we find Pinnock is and I think sometimes where you get Pontus get slightly more exposed to some of those headers coming in non-stop one of them is going to get through so you know I mean that's, that's a case of wearing a Danny you know it was an aerial battle wasn't it really but um, I think what was, what was most I think the Unfortunately, that goal probably to me came from the fact that our wing-backs, or our full-backs, sorry, didn't defend as well as they had been. But I've got to say, up until that point, I'd also been impressed by Dalsgaard, who'd been out for the last game, coming in and actually putting in a good shift as well. So I think it's not just the two centre-backs. It is, as you say, that whole defence looking together, looking as a great unit. And talking about the defence as well, I mean, centre-back's one of our, you know, one of the sort of key games. And again, listening and just thinking back to kind of, you know, how Mepham used to play for us as well, where he used to kind of walk the ball out of defence. You know, if you've got your central defenders who are comfortable on the ball and can, you know, walk the ball out there and, and, and put the ball into, into, into play, put it into attack, it's like, a, it's a just, it just takes you to another level. And if you saw the goal, that Sergi scored, you know, you're going to say which one. But, you know, I looked at it again and it was actually Ethan Pinnock. He played a beautiful pass to Sergi out on the lip wing from defence, which basically set up, um, I think it was a first goal. I think it was the first goal that he set up as well. And if you ever look at it again, and the fact is that if you can get your defenders to be doing that, your central defenders, then that's taking you to another level again, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, I think Pinnock is starting to get there, isn't he? I mean, we're uh, Barbe was probably the best at it of, of our recent teams. Konza was good as well. Um, and they're the ball-playing centre-backs. And, um, and Pinnock, I think his distribution improves, it, and, and I'm sure they're working on it. And he does bang the odds cross-field pass with his left foot as well. Um, I think he struggles a bit when he gets put over to the right, when Mads Beck comes in, and we're not quite as good as distributing the ball out in that situation. I prefer Pinnock playing on the left, that's for sure. Right, that's right. Listen, we've got to give the big props as well, Sergi Canos. Whoscored.com is one of the uh, stat sites that we use as well. 10 out of 10. Sergi got uh, Sergi got for his uh, for his performance and his three goals as well, which is uh, which is quite unusual. Like I said, I remember when Ben Rama got it in a couple of weeks um, uh, last season as well. To be fair, Falks got eight point six, but they didn't include the cheating in there, so I don't know if that sort of took away a load of points. But he scored a couple of goals, including that fantastic goal. Now, other than that, you know, for the bees, you know, you got you know Ivan Tonio seven point three. You had kind of Jan Jan Elton 7.7, you know, and you've got Pinnock at 7.3. Then everyone else is kind of on sixes, six and a bit. So we did all right. We did what we had to do. But there was a few star players out there that did the business, which is great. Like, you know, so that was a very, very good result. And it's taken us in very nicely to a game this week against Bournemouth, who are, well, they're not too, too 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 much above us. I think they're just one place above us and one point above us. Um, even though, to be fair, they got a game in hand because their game was called off against Millwall because of uh, some players got COVID tested. So they're going to be nice and rested against the bees. We're going to have a little break and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that massive game against Bournemouth. Anyway, it's time to get a few more stats and facts. We're going over to JB and it's funk. Because JB is going to give us a bit of tear action. 
because he knows what's going down in the different tiers. Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. On last week's podcast, there was some nostalgic talk about Tier 4, of the football kind. We've actually only spent 15 seasons at this level, and five of those have ended in a promotion party. Our longest spell there was the six seasons which started whilst the country was celebrating England's World Cup win in 1966. Christmas time is always a period of fixture congestion, with matches on Christmas Day itself being quite usual up until 1958. It was also normal for the fixture list to play teams home and away in successive matches. So back in 1946, the Bees had a Christmas Day trip to Sheffield United, which we lost 6-1, and both teams had to travel back to Griffin Park on Boxing Day for the return, which we won 2-1, and after a single day's rest, Everton were the visitors for a 1-1 draw. In this era before substitutes, nine players played in all three games in those four days. Sergi's hat-trick at Cardiff was the first the Bees player has scored on a Boxing Day for 70 years. It was also the first we've been losing at half-time and won thanks to a second-half hat-trick since C. Phillips scored three at Huddersfield in the 3-1 win in the 1977-78 Tier 4 promotion season. So that was Jonathan Birchall, JB, giving us a little bit of info on all sorts of tiers. The fourth tier when we were there before as well and also the Christmas Day and Boxing Day malarkey that used to take place on the double headers back in the day thank Christ we don't have to go through that anymore which is all good as well Sergi first goal first hat trick on Boxing Day for 70 years as well fair play to Sergi but listen we've got a few more things that we need to talk about right now so Bournemouth the South Coast team are coming up to London to play Brentford, the first time that they've been at our stadium, other than in a friendly, uh, since 2015. We're going to have to find out some more information about Bournemouth, so we're going down to the south coast to talk to Pete to hear what he's got to say. So we've got a massive game coming up on the 29th. We've got Bournemouth, who are coming down to Griffin Park for the first time since 2015 when they decided to just, well win the championship and, and leave us alone and go to the Premier League but they're like I said to you they're back in the championship for the first time since 2015 um, we thought we need to find out a bit of info about Bournemouth because we well we, we don't know anything about them really since they've got away so we thought we'd get the expert on Bournemouth Pete Bell from the Cherry Chimes fanzine blog podcast whatever else it's going to be Pete how you doing Hi, Billy. Nice for you to invite me on. No, no. Good to have you as well, Pete, you know. Um, um, season's greetings to you as well, and I hope you had a good Christmas and uh, looking forward to the game uh, against, well, against the Bees. And, you know, it's coming up. I'm sure you are. Listen, you're back in the Championship for the first time since 2015, but I'm just asking you, other than having no fans, has it changed much? Um, yeah, it's, it's difficult for me to assess. I haven't been to the two games that we have had home fans, but... Um, just from looking at, at the games that I've seen on TV and that, it looks, you know, as competitive as ever. Um, I'm a bit surprised, really, that the three teams that have come down have been, been fairly dominant so far. I expected them to find it a lot harder than they have. Um, but, um, you know, we're still finding, I mean, from Bournemouth games, we've been finding that we've been dropping points against the teams at the bottom of the division probably more than we have those 
around the top of the league. So from that respect, it hasn't changed. It's still one of the hardest leagues to get out of. And um, I think, um, you know, I've been encouraged by the amount of um, new names that are popping up as well as quite a few players I don't know of who, um, you know, seem to be doing doing well. And um, I think uh, it's as competitive as ever. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's looking like it's shaping up to be a good league. I mean, I know a lot of people were just kind of, they were rating, I mean, we were made favourites for this league this season and they were rating, you know, the three sides that came down and because you all started fairly well, everyone's written everybody else off. But I think now, because like I said to you, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Saturday, um, and we've started to notice a few little results going a little bit kind of not the way they're meant to do. I think this one is going to be like all the other championship seasons where, you know, you're never going to be able to predict who's going to be where, who's going to be when. You know, like I said to you, Brentford were, well, you know, we were like 18th or something like that a kind of month ago, but now we're kind of like definitely vying for, uh, fingers crossed, an automatic place, you know, to the Premier League. But talking about the Premier League, obviously you had a, a wicked journey to the Premier League, a small side, you know, like Brentford. Again, you know, this is not a disrespect to Bournemouth, but I'm saying, you know, we know we're a small side. You're a small side as well as in like a, a relatively small fan base compared to the so-called bigger teams in the division but you you know you blew them all away you went up to the Premier League and you held your own in the Premier League for a number of years just to ask you a question because obviously we're looking to get there was it enjoyable your time in the Premier League? Yeah and the first year is definitely the most exciting because you're playing teams that you know you'd only really ever get the chance to play in cup competition so you know to see all the big stars and that is is quite amazing at your own ground um but very soon reality hits in that you've got to win games and um, it's, it's not easy, it's, it's difficult and you, have, you are likely to be on the back of a few beltings um, but you know it's all part of being in the Premier League um, there's some games that you're not expected to be even <laughs> close to winning but you know sometimes it can happen that you can get a good result um, and it can give build confidence and from there on you've got to carry on you know trying to pick up points wherever you can. Um, I think that um, the players adapt very quickly uh, to being in the Premier League. Um, I think the training is, is you know, probably even harder. You, you probably want to win even more, um, you know, uh, and I think um, as soon as the first win's under the belt, I think then it's just 11 against 11, you, you're used to it. But um, to stay up there for five years was probably beyond our expectations. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't get any easier the longer you were there, but I think that the fans probably expect more the longer you stay in the Premier League. So um, it's a double-edged sword, really. Um, it, it's not an easy league, but more a championship. Um, for Bournemouth, both leagues are really above where we've been for the hundred and odd so years of our uh, existence. So, um, you know, either league is, is a great league for Bournemouth, but um, I think that the Premier League is special, especially if you haven't been, and I'm sure when Brentford get up, and I'm sure they will at some point, the, the fans will absolutely love it, because we do. Yeah, I'm sure, again, and it's one of those ones which makes us a little bit nervous. We want to get there, but we're also nervous, you know, if and when we do get there. But, you know, talking about, you know, your journey, you know, you sacked... Oh, oh no, sorry, OK, sorry, he left by mutual consent, that old chestnut. Uh, Eddie Howe, after eight years at the club, as well, and you know, he was a he was a great servant for Bournemouth. I mean, Eddie Howe for me was Bournemouth. You know, probably in the same way that Arsene Wenger, you know, was Arsenal as well. But you know, towards that back end, do you think, you know, personally, you thought it was time for him to go? Um, 
Well, I think he, he found it very difficult. He, he was the one in, in the end who decided to go. I think the fans would quite happily have had him still at the club because he's the only manager that we've ever had that's managed to get us up from the Championship to the Premier League. So we knew he had a good experience in you know, managing the Championship and, and getting the best out of the players in that league. So in some ways, even though you know um, the, the results weren't good enough in the Premier League and he, he went... Um, in a way, it was still a shock to a lot of the, the players and, and I think, uh, and the fans. So, um, but, you know, we've got Jason Tindall now. He's been his number two. And for all we know, the way he started in the championship, maybe he should have been managing a little bit sooner somewhere. So, um, you know, we, we seem to have got on very well with Jason. And, um, you know, if, if, J- if um, Eddie comes back into the picture at another club, which I'm sure he will in the next few months... Um, we wish him all the best, but you know we're with Jason now. We we need to win games with Jason, and uh, I think he's got a good um, sort of persona with the with the players. I think he's a little bit more relaxed, um, and I think that's coming through in the players um, that we've seen. He's he's introducing a lot of younger players in, into the pitch, um, you know, from the academy, and um, they seem to be doing well. And there's a few, there's only a few experienced players left now uh, from the time when we went up, and I think that's quite good you know it shows you we we can sort of change adapt and, and bring some other players through which is what we needed yeah and, and and also I mean it must be nice for you as a as a Bournemouth fan to have a I suppose in effect the next you know Bournemouth sort of legend or the next player actually kind of sort of leading the charge for you as well I mean he does have big boots to fill it as says with Eddie Eddie Howe you know leaving as well and obviously you know Eddie Howe was really you know widely you know he was loved by the Bournemouth fans another I mean there's one time I remember when they were talking about Eddie Howe for England manager you know and Bournemouth fans goes leave Eddie Howe alone (laughs) you know you don't touch him like you know but the fact is that also we have to look at the fact that you know Jason Tindall has got a pot of jewels as a squad to work with you know so so you know he's got players you know that you've managed to keep over from your Premier League days you've got players like Solanke I mean mean, Junior Stanislaus he he, he sort of kind of merged from a a a championship player to a you know to to, to a Premier League player I remember he scored the first goal um, Brentford's first ever game in the championship actually was down at Bournemouth we beat us 1-0 and Stanislaus if I remember rightly scored the goal there as well and that was etched in my head but he's gone on to sort of establish himself at the Premier League so you've got a fair few decent players in your side so there's an argument to say that you should be steamrolling this league so Tyndall's got a bit of a he's got a bit of pressure on him yeah. do you really think he's up for the job in the long term? Yeah well I think from what he's shown so far that he hasn't really put much foot wrong I think that um, the rotation of the squad maybe is something that he needs to work on a little bit more we've seen players like Junior Stanislas who you mentioned is basically our sick note, he's always, he's usually injured more than he plays. So this season he's doing really well to get a few games in. And he's, I think he's always been quality um, when he was at Burnley, West Ham and Bournemouth. He's, he's always been amongst the goals. The problem's been trying to keep him on the pitch. And I think that Jason's still got to try and get the balance right with a few of our players, how many games they play and how often they're rested. But once he can hopefully sort that out, I think we'll, we'll be doing a lot better um, than we are even now. We're keeping clean sheets at the moment. I think Jason's, you know, knows that that's one area where we've had to improve. It, it was not good enough in the Premier League, and even first few games in the Championship, we were really just trying to outscore teams rather than trying to get the odd clean sheet. But I think that's improved with Begovic in goal. He's playing well, um, and, and our back four really are quite 
Um, settled now. Steve Cook has been, you know, he's an established player. He's been with the club since about 2013-14. So um, he's just done his 350th cap um, for the club. So he's really a rock around which we build the team. Um, and uh, Chris Mepham, unfortunately, is injured, who uh, would have been probably a starter, um, but hopefully he'll be back soon. Uh, you, you obviously know him very well. And I think we're otherwise in the back four. We, you know, he's, he's really concentrated on that area with um, Stacey, who's a good player we bought from Luton a couple of years ago, um, Jack Stacey. And on the other side, we've got um, Diego Rico, who's a Spaniard, who's played in the Premier League. We've also got Adam Smith. So I think the back four is really you know, not talked about very often with Bournemouth, but we do have quite strength there as well. It's not just the players going forward. And, and I think Jason will always manage to get the best out of players going forward, but, you know, it's the defence that he's really had to work on. And I think if he can keep stop the goals coming in, and I think we stand every good chance of, of really getting into promotion places. And it's interesting because you talk about Chris Mepham, who, again, as Bees fans, we're, you know, we're a team who, you know, as long as a player... Um, does just plays their heart out for us and leads with as we call it manners you know we you know we wish him well and you know we wish Chris Mepham all the best when he went to Bournemouth and hoped he did really well we follow him you know we actually sort of turn over and watch his games on Wales when he's playing as well because we've got a lot of love and a lot of respect for him I mean interestingly Chris Mepham was actually playing for our academy when you got promoted to the Premier League back in 2015 and then the, the following year he joined our, our newly formed B team because we scrapped our academy for various reasons and set up a B team because we, basically people were pinching our players from the academy and not signing they weren't signing proper you know signing on their full deals so we, we created the B team which allowed players to sign full deals and Chris Meppen was one of the first players to sign in our B team um, and that provided pathways to players to their first team football and three years and 43 first Brentford games later he actually signed for Bournemouth for 15 million pounds and like I said to you so it's a, it's a mad journey that he's been on I'm just interesting I mean you talked about him about him being part of your defence but obviously you know Eddie Howe was really after him I remember he came down and he watched him loads and we're thinking it might be funny but Chris Meppham's hardly played at the time he actually put the first bid in for him he'd only played about 10 or 12 <laughs> games out of our B team and he was really into yeah. him so I'm just wondering how has he been for you? I mean, well, I can see why Eddie worried him. Um, it's the style in which he carries the ball out of defence. It's just, you know, uh, so smooth and, and calm under pressure. Um, I think that he has made mistakes and, you know, it's probably meant that he hasn't played as many games for us as, you know, maybe he was thought he would have played straight away. Well, obviously, we had Nathan Ake last season as well. He's, you know, a top player gone to Man City. So, you know, it's quite hard to shift somebody like that out of the team and, and well, Steve Cook's been there, as I say, for a long time and often been captain. Um, so there hasn't been always a lot of opportunity. But I think when we've played three at the back, certainly Chris Mepham's been one of the players that has been, you know, wanted to be used. Um, he's, I think that, you know, maybe, maybe he hasn't scored as many goals as we might have thought he would have done with his, he's quite a tall player and, and quite good aerially. But um, I think defensively, I don't think there's been too many mistakes or too many grumbles with him I just think that he's needed a little bit more games in a row which he hasn't had particularly he's had a few injuries uh, injury, injured a game at the moment um, but I think that you know I think he will still play a significant uh, role in the second half of the season for us and um, I think he's still been one of the better buys that Eddie Howe has made in his, in his time um, you know I don't I'm surprised that maybe we got him when we did but 
he's been injured at the moment with a calf in, injury against, I think we, when we played Huddersfield, that was when we won 5-0. Um, so he went out on a good game, but um, hopefully he's back soon because I think he calms the team a lot and um, we need a, a calm player at the back, which sometimes we just, you know, a little bit frantic at the back and, and make silly mistakes, but Mepham's just got a little bit more of a wiser head on him, so I quite like it when he is in the team. This season's, like I said to you, we're coming out of Christmas. Christmas time is normally a good time. Normally they say the team who is top of the league at Christmas, more often than not, um, definitely gets promoted, you know, and 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 possibly even in wins the league. So, like I said, there's a lot of lot of pressure on you guys at the moment. Now, I mean, I know that you're not quite at the top there, but you're looking, you're vying for that place there with Norwich actually losing um, a match um, yesterday. I think it was on Boxing Day as well. So, you know, it could be all over the place. But interestingly, the stat sites, all the stat sites, you know, Brentford being the team that we are, we you know we do look at the stats because stats is very much a, an important way of how a small team like us has been able to survive and actually kind of sort of, you know, shoot above, you know, where everybody else expects us to be. So looking at all the stat sites, you know, the uh, 538s, the in for goals and stuff like that, they all have you predicting winning the league this season just based on how you're playing. You know, it's almost between you and us. Um, you, you know, they've got you slightly better than us at the moment now, but it's all very, very tight. And interestingly, actually, uh, like I said to you, 538 is Bournemouth at the top, Norwich second, Brentford third. Um, you know, you finishing top at 84 points, which is interesting, like, you know what I'm saying, equal with Norwich, um, which is much lower than Leeds at last season, than Brentford with 82, Watford fourth with, uh, uh, with 78 points, Swansea with 75 points, Middlesbrough uh, sixth with 71 points, and Stoke City, Reading, Cardiff and Blackburn just missing out. That is the predictions at the moment now. Now, listen, you know this league. It's a mad, mad league. You talked about the players that you've got. You talked about the rotation. You talked about, you know, certain things. Do you think, really, you've got the mental capacity and the squad to withstand this arduous division and stay in the game? Because you could fall out at any time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very competitive. I mean, there's some teams that you haven't mentioned are also up there. Swansea are up there. Watford are going to come strong, I'm sure. Bristol City... In the playoffs last season, um, so we know that you know it's it's easy to go on a bad run and and lose out. Um, I think the mentality certainly there with the group they've been very strong um, to get through what they had to do with last season was you know particularly hard, and to come back start winning games straight away in the championship I think mean, shows you what mental strength the Bournemouth players have. Um, a lot some of them have done it. We've still got good players like Dan Gosling. Been there and done it. I say Steve Cook's been there and done it. We've got Adam Smith. We've got players who've got great experience who can talk to some of the younger ones. And I think the second half of the season will be become much more pressurised from certainly from February onwards. If you're still in with a good chance of going up and it's this close, then it's going to be very pressured. Um, our main thing will be trying to get points off the top six clubs, trying to get you know make sure we're consistent against everybody in the league, but certainly trying to do more damage to the clubs that are chasing us. Um, if we can do that, then I think we'll be in a really good position. But at the end of the day, you, you've got one match at a time. As everybody says, you've got to try and win that game in front of you. Um, you know, it, uh, I think that it's probably better for Bournemouth being where we are, chasing the club. Luckily, Norwich are ahead of us. I think that helps us, if anything. If we were top of the league, I think there'd be much more pressure on us than there is now. Um, I'm not too worried about the pressure growing. Um, I, I still think there'll be games where we drop points, there'll be games when we you know, get very big results. Um, the main thing is keeping our players in January who we don't want to go 
I think David Brooks is important. I think Arno Danjuma is very important to us in the goals column. And Stanislas keeping him fit. I think if Josh King goes, I don't think that will be particularly detrimental to us. I think a lot of the fans are quite happy for him to go. Um, I think that would maybe help some of the other players like Sam Surridge believe that he's ready, you know, to, to get more goals in the championship. Um, you know, it's it's a fluid thing. We've got players coming through. I'd like to see uh, we've got a, a Spaniard we've got from Atletico Madrid, uh, Raquel me, um, whether he gets a few more games or not, we'll have to see on the wing. But, you know, there's still players we've got to bring in. We've got a very strong bench. Um, you know, I think we've probably one of the strongest squads in the league. So we should be up there. But it's all right saying you should be up there on paper. You've got to do it on the pitch. And, um, you know, I, I think as long as we can keep players fit and the morale's certainly there. And I think um, the manager as well, because he has so much to try and achieve after following Eddie Howe, I think... There's, there's a bit of you know competition from him that he, he wants to do as well as Eddie. He wants to get the club up because he was being at Eddie's side and you know Jason's got something to be really competitive about. It will come through in the players. So I'm optimistic that we can do it this season. Um, and I think when you come down from the Premier League, first opportunity is the best opportunity you've got for going back up because you retain you know more of your players and you've got the parachute uh, payment. If, you, if it gets harder next time. It'll get harder again, you know, another three clubs coming down. Um, you know, we've, we've got to try and grasp it now and, and try and try and try and get up if we can. But it's not easy and coronavirus and other things are affecting everybody in the league. So, you know, we had our game postponed against Millwall. It may happen, you know, some more. We might get a few more postponements. We might get a few games in hand that we've got to try and win, keep up in pace with those, you know, ahead of us. So, um you know, it's, it's, it's challenges all the time, but it's the same for everybody else. Everybody's got their challenges, and it's going to be you who can keep their nerves. Right, about. and just looking at it again, going back to five thirty-eight, the predictions they've got—they've got Bournemouth with a sixty percent chance at the moment of getting promoted, with Norwich a fifty-five percent chance of getting promoted, Brentford fifty-one percent chance of getting promoted. Then after that, it drops off with Watford thirty-six percent, Swansea twenty-four percent. Borough at 16%, and to win the championships as Bournemouth a top 29%, Norwich 27%, Brentford 20%, then it drops off with Bournemouth at 10%. So it shows you how tight it is, they believe, between Bournemouth, Norwich, and Brentford. And the rest of them, you know, listen, this could all change. Some team can go on a, an amazing run, and then that will all change. But this is based on all the figures they've got at the moment now. Brentford probably defensively are a lot tighter than the teams above well, than all the teams in the league, um, but sort of kind of uh, attacking wise, probably just need a little bit more to actually kind of start. Sort of challenging, you know, you know, Bournemouth and the Norwiches, but it's going to be really interesting. So, anyway, match is coming up. Um, it's the first time that we've played you guys in a, in, a, in, a, in a competitive match. I mean, we played you in a friendly a few years ago, but a competitive match since 2015. I remember it well. Um, Griffin Park, it was February as well. I remember it. You know, we just lost to Watford and we were still vying for, you know, a playoff place. And you came down to us and uh, it was a brilliant game. Absolutely brilliant game. We won, if I remember rightly, we won 3-1. And I remember with all my Bournemouth mates sort of kind of sort of drinking with them before and after the game, they're a bit shell-shocked. Yeah. They're like going, oh my God, you know, it's fantastic. We played really, really well. But after that, I don't think you lost a game. <laughs> you, it gave you a kick up the arse for you to actually go and get promoted. But it was a... Yeah, I think it's probably what we needed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that was good. So how are you going to, you know, we've got a few little things, irons in our fire. And like I said, to, we start to, we seem to be starting to, to warm ourselves up quite nicely. Ivan Tony scoring, you know, 17 goals, I think it is, you know. We've got Janel in the side sort of kind of commanding the midfield. Pontus Janssen is back in the defence. 
what are you going to be doing to try and combat the bees? Yeah, it's going to be um, difficult. I mean, our, our philosophy has always been to try and attack, whether we're home or away. Um, we have the players to probably do that. Um, obviously, Ivan Tony's very much on the radar because he's the top goal scorer and uh, he's not missing enough. And Kanos scored three the other day, so we know that we yeah, there's other players who can also hurt us. Um, I think I think it will be a tight game. I think it'll be cagey. I don't think there'll be much in it. Um, it will probably be down to one mistake either way um, and you know I mean we're coming into the game on about like it's five clean sheets so while we're not scoring as um, often as we as we have been, have been um, in some games we're very very goal, goal hungry and we've been getting fours and fives so um, I don't think it'll be that kind of game I think it'll be a very close cagey game um, and the midfield, you know, will be the battle. Whether we'll have uh, Jefferson Lerma back, um, hopefully, um, who's really our defensive midfielder, strong player, and he'll, he'll be trying to get him amongst your your guys and Mr. De Silva and try and rough him up a bit and try and keep him off the ball as much as he can. Um, and if we can do that, if we can hold you in midfield, then you know, I think that you know we do have the quality as well to, to hurt you. It's um, if it if it comes down to one special moment in the game. We've got players that can do that with Dan Juma and uh, David Brooks and Junior Stanislas, all of them, you know, are capable of doing that one moment of magic. And uh, it's whether you get that opportunity or whether we get that opportunity, I think. But I don't think there'll be much in it. I think it'll either be a, a nil-nil or one-one-one or a one-nil either way. And uh, uh, it'll be tight, I think, because uh, certainly defence, we're coming, we know we're coming up against the best defence in the league. Um, you're probably coming up uh, against the best attack in the league. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. But you're at home, so the onus is on you to come and get, come and take the game to us. Um, but I think if Brentford come too strongly at us, that would be a, maybe a mistake because on the counter-attack, that's where we've got a lot of goals this season. Um, and I think Brentford played very well on the counter-attack as well. So, you know, I, I think both sides are very good in that, that respect. So, um It'll be interesting. I think crosses will, will be important. We've not been playing as many crosses in as I think we should be, and you know, getting as many goals from crosses, but certainly from free kicks, set plays from, from outside the box. I think we're top scoring from outside the box, so you can't afford to back off from us from, from distance. If you let us shoot from around the box, you could be in trouble. Um, but um, I think defensively, you know, we, we expect Brentford to be very good. So um, it could be it could be a spoiler, a bit of a spoiler of a game. I hope it's not. I hope it's a good spectacle. I'd love to see it. it's like four four or something like that. But I think it'll be very cagey, and I think it'll be very tight. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the jewels certainly that are going to going to be around the pitch. I don't know where you think the best jewels are going to be. Where, where do you think we're they're going to be struggling against you? I just think I think if Lerma plays Lerma versus you know Janolt in in the midfield, I think you know you know who's going to be controlling that midfield. I think that's going to be very very interesting. Lerma obviously a very good player, very aggressive player as well, and Janolt has shown that he's going to hold no punches as well. It's interesting that you know you know one of your key points as well is like you know scoring um, shooting <laughs> or shooting from outside the area. Uh, if you shoot like Volks did for Cardiff from outside the area, you don't even have to be outside the area. You just have to be just 
just inside your own half and you can shoot and, and score, you know. They managed to get a great goal against us, to be fair. It <laughs> didn't affect the game in the end, but, geez, yeah. you know, that really did sort of kind of hold us off guard as well. Like you say as well, you know, as well for you, you guys, you know, attacking set pieces, you know, attacking down the wings. It's going to be an interesting battle because, obviously, you like to use the wings. We've got Rico Henry, who I believe is the best left-back in the country, and so do a lot of Bees fans as well. And we've got, um, uh, we got Dalsgaard on, on the right as well, as sort of, sort of a right-back as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they do on defensively, but also actually on the attacking level as well. So it could be a game that, you know, we could see ourselves kind of like attacking, counter-attacking, attacking, counter-attacking, and it could be actually a really good match. It's good that you don't come to put two, two banks of four unless he decides to change his game up against Brentford because, you know, we don't particularly like that. You know, so that kind of leads it to uh, to it being an open game and to, to Brentford's type of game, I think. Probably play three at the back, I think, and uh, we'll have the wing-backs going because we know that Brentford likes to do that as well. So, um, yeah, I think we'll probably match you up. Um, but the midfield is where it's going to be key and, you know, it's... It's going to be tough weather. Who he plays next to Lermas? We've had been playing Lewis Cook of late. haven't talked about him much, but he's another player. You know, he's, he's got good Premier League experience and he's the kind of player who does very good at finding through balls. And I think, you know, if, if we're going to beat Brentford, it's trying to find that through ball. I think, you know, our finishers, Solanke's certainly improved. Um, Surridge is a good finisher now. Um, Dan Juma, if he's back, he's a very good finisher, Stanislas. Um, Brooks, we've got the finishes, it's whether we can get the through ball. And um, so Lewis Cook could have a very important aspect from our, our side of the game. And I expect you've got a couple of creative players who you think, you know, are likely to open the door against us as well. Um, we do make the odd mistake at the back. And that, that's my worry, is if one of your creative players can, can pounce on, you know, making a, a high press and, and opening us up that way. Um, maybe that's probably the way teams are most opened up against us, playing a good high press against us. But if the press is beaten, then Bournemouth have the players to, to really hurt players on the counter-attack. Well, like I said, fingers crossed. Josh De Silva is on the money as usual. Sergi Canos is actually having his game of his life again. You know, if we've got Jensen as well, you know, who's playing as well and he's doing his business. Really good creative players. We do press quite hard. We do press, you know, high up the pitch. And it just depends on, you know, whether or not you guys could actually combat that. But listen, Pete, it's been great chatting to you. I just want to ask you one more thing, though. You've got to give us a score prediction. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's going to be tight. I am going to, I am going to say it's going to be a draw. We've been drawing a lot of games. Um, I think Brentford have come off a great win. Um, so I think you'll be pushing by. I'm going to just say it's going to be 1-1. I think we'll both get a chance to score. But I think in the end of the day... Both teams will probably be quite happy with the draw. So I'm going to go for 1-1. Okay, 1-1 one, one from the Cherry Chimes. Pete Bell from the Cherry Chimes. Listen, great chatting to you, Pete. And uh, listen, enjoy the game this week. Fingers crossed, like I said to you, we'll both be, you know, I suppose you'll be probably happy if we're both happy, actually, if we're sitting down there keeping it even Stevens, you know. But I'm just hoping we manage to nick it because we need to kind of get a little bit ahead in this game because we've been a little bit of a slow start. We need to catch up on you guys. You're, you're motoring ahead a little bit too much for us. <laughs> well, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, everybody wants a point. It should be a good game. Listen, good chat to you, Pete, and I'll catch up with you soon. All right, cheers, mate. So there you go, Pete from the Cherry Chimes blog been around for years the cherry chimes blog a great little blog original football fan he's been going for years supporting Bournemouth from when they were absolutely nowhere and they got to the Premier League and now they're back in the championship and uh, and they're competing and they're doing okay but they've got to play the bees 
They've got to play a revived bees. And I think they may be a little bit nervous. What are you saying about this one, the Allard? Because talking to Pete there, you know, he says, good players, um, decent players. They like to keep it tight. Um, and he reckons that, you know, he's very confident that they're going to go into next year with all guns blazing. But they've still got to kind of combat the bees who, who seem to be getting a handle on teams like that now, don't we? My biggest worry against Bournemouth, and you've already touched on it, is that they've had a 10-day break. Uh, so they're going to be super fresh for this game. Uh, we will probably, we're going to have to rotate some players around again. I'm sure De Silva comes in. He will be fresh. Um, but to strengthen the side, there probably isn't, anyone else that will come in apart from maybe Norgard can play instead of Yen out is it too much to ask him to start the game I don't know that depends you know this minor not what what effect that had on him um, so I, I you know it's to silver in there's probably going to be three or four other changes because remember we've got to play Bristol City on I guess it's Saturday and then we've got to play Tottenham on Tuesday so there's a lot of football still to come before we get out of this really difficult seven week run so I'm thinking that you know what makes me be positive is that we still look fresh. And, and like I've already said, I think we look fresher than we did four or five weeks ago. So, you know, we're the team with the momentum. Bournemouth haven't played for 10 days. That means that the, any momentum they had has probably gone. So they're going to come into the game almost like, you know, like you do after an international break. And it could just be that we're the team that will sort of, you know, pick the pace up and, and be ready to go into the game like we did against Watford and take it to him. Yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, the Liberal stats-wise, and I spoke to Pete about this, all the stats people are saying basically is us, it's Muff, as we call them, and it's Norwich, the top three. You can rotate between those three, who they feel are going to be finishing in the top three. At the moment, it's like, you know, it's, it's Muff and us. You know, it's us at the top or it's Muff second or Muff top and us second, you know, and, 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 then, and then Norwich as well. Um, with Watford way behind in fourth place and Swans and Borough as well. So, listen, that may be nothing because, you know, you might have injuries, you may have reduction in form, but what they do is that they kind of just do this projection on how the games are going to go for the rest of the season. And that's how it's panning out. Now, the fact that we're actually increasing in quality and in the way that we're playing, so we're kind of better than we were three months ago and they've included those results in, in their stats now it can only get better for the bees now what I'm what I'm saying to you is that you know looking at where Bournemouth are good you know they're good at shooting from direct free kicks creating chances from individual schools so got some great players you know they're good at coming back from losing positions you know finishing scoring chances attacking set pieces you know going down the wings you know they're good at those things so we've got our work cut out for us, so don't we, the Liberal? Well, we do, and you, you've talked about that set pieces there, which are definitely something we've got to be wary of because we are susceptible to a set piece. But what stood out to me as well is that they can score from open play, and I think that's what's distinguishing us as those top three in the league at the moment is that we are the teams that are able to score from open play as well as from just set pieces, and I think that's going to be the difficulty. Handling Dom Solanke, he's a Premier League striker who's going to be playing at Championship Football this season. We've got to handle him well. We, we, we've just got to be careful with the way we play, but I have full confidence that we can do it because I know that when we play at our best, we can knock the ball around like anyone else in this league. I mean, the LR, I mean, on the flip side of it, you know, where Bournemouth look weak, they look weak at sort of kind of stopping opponents 
from creating chances as well. So we need to get in the area, and, you know, and we've been doing that recently as well. And also defending against through ball attacks, which maybe, and I'm just thinking about this, you know, we're talking about the Janelt versus Norgard thing. You know, maybe it's a case that, you know, we're, um, um, Thomas Frank is going to be choosing his central defender depending on the opposition and maybe someone against like Cardiff, who basically wants to go and give us a good kicking. You know, they're putting Janelt, but, you know, somebody against Bournemouth who plays the football, you know, and maybe, you know, sort of kind of putting them through balls in. He's the type of player that we need against Bournemouth. What are you thinking? Well, through, I mean, through balls can come from anywhere, can't they? We, even Pinnock, potentially. Um, Jensen and De Silva, um, probably Jensen more than De Silva. Jensen's the man, isn't he, for through balls, you would think. Uh, I think the, what I would say, though, is that Tony is not as effective as Watkins used to be um, playing onto through balls. Uh, Tony wants a different type of ball. Um, he's, he's, he's more physical than Watkins, and to be honest, it's more crosses and stuff that, that he thrives off. But that's not to say that you know you, know, you can't play balls through to, to Mbremo getting on getting beyond him or something like that so yeah I, I think we can we can definitely play that way said Bournemouth you know coming down um, the one thing is that we've noticed is that the three relegated sides are doing all right this season normally you always get at least one who bottoms out a bit you know one whose whose boots are too big for themselves like you know what I'm saying who think what's this championship business and then all of a sudden they find themselves like 18th or 19th but they seem to be equipping themselves quite well I mean I've asked Pete you know does he think that they'll kind of be able to sort of see it through he reckons so I mean what are you saying when you're seeing this top three your Norwich your Bournemouths and your Watfords and in particular Bournemouth coming down here do you think that they're going to be causing problems all the way through or do you think that you know someone like us might be able to take him out well, I, I think it's basically open for all of the, the those three teams. They all look strong, and I think potentially any of them could finish in the top two. Watford now are a little bit of a, we're not sure, new manager and all of that, how that's going to pan out. But it's a strong sort of league in some respects. There's not, there's not this Leeds team amongst us. I think Norwich, they flatter to deceive sometimes. So, yeah, I, I think it's, like you say, it is unusual, um, uh, but I think we've there's going to be four or five teams in it at the end. You can maybe add Swansea to the list. Yeah, from our perspective, I think, I, to be honest, I'm going to have, a, I'm going to have another pop of the other Liberal again. I think he said a little while back he was worried about the gulf coming between the Premiership and the Championship. But I think what I'm finding is that, that, that there might be a difference in quality, but the competitiveness is, is massively transcended through the leagues. And I think the difference is, is that now there is definitely this top tier emerging of teams that are going to be competing. But I do think that where, you know, Bournemouth have kept it tight in the last couple of weeks and that's kind of been where they've been lucky and they've been holding it together because they haven't scored as many goals as they probably want to. And I think what we could do is give them a couple of upsets, get an early goal, you know, they can come at us a little bit and we'll expose them. And I think we could, we could see ourselves even, you know, we've just had a 3-2 nil-nil game, basically. I reckon we could see a similar scoreline this time around. We could do. And look, just quickly, I'm just going to ask a quick question because, you know, before we come on to the score predictions, We've had a slow start to the season, but we've kind of got getting our players back. We, we've we started to get some good, good results. We've gone 14 games unbeaten. We're going to play Bournemouth now, which is a huge game. If we get a good result against them, this will set us up nicely going into next year. There's an argument to say last season we might have peaked a little bit early. right? It's great. We had a great run, but we might have peaked a little bit early. Do you think that maybe what we're doing is that we're getting the timing just right now and we're getting our players back together at the right time we're getting our team together at the right time and they start to gel just at the right moment just as we go to the new year just as we go into the new transfer window as well 
for me, the most difficult part of this season was, was, and I know I keep saying it, but it's this seven-week period of game, 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 game. We're going to come out of that. We need, we come out of that in touch with the top two. Then it's game on, and um, you know, and we seem to be getting stronger. So I think we're timing it pretty well at the moment. And from my perspective, we've had a squad of 11 in the past. We've now got a squad of 15, 16 that I think are really top competitive players. And that's great. It's problems for selection. I think we're doing, we're really, doing, looking really good. And, and listen, listen, I, I agree. I could see both of you are, you, you, listen, you know, but you're trying to hold it back a little bit, you know, because what you don't want to do, you don't want to get too overly confident at this stage. But I think you're thinking kind of how I'm thinking as well, how it's almost like the jigsaw puzzle. Last season, we were so delighted by the way things were going and then it just fell apart at the end and it wasn't anybody's fault it wasn't our fault but this time you know a little bit of disappointment at the beginning of the season but we're looking back on it thinking actually maybe this was all part of the plan and the jigsaw pieces are seen to be just going into place quite nicely at the right time and like I said to you January was the time if we're there or thereabouts in January we can really kick on. I mean, you imagine where we were last season in January, you know, um, if we could actually kick on with a sort of unbeaten run, a team that is not losing matches, you know, I mean, imagine how, could you imagine last season how afraid we were of Nottingham Forest at the time? Remember, because they kept on, they weren't even playing that well, but they just kept on nicking games and goals, you know, by sort of just defending and then just nicking these goals here and there. And we were absolutely petrified of playing them because uh, they just didn't lose until the end of the season you know but if we've got the quality and we're scoring the goals and we're actually going to maybe even improve our side it's got to be a positive thing tell me yeah like you said I, we're warming into this season I thought that the Cardiff result having gone 1-0 down and everything we've spoken about playing at Cardiff that, that whole team and everything I, I thought for me that was a team our performance suggested we are going to push for the top two this season um, and I thought for me that was the performance that sort of really made me think that we've got a chance I think this game's really really big um, I think we need not to lose it that's the real thing I think you know if we if we get a draw then um, I think you know we stay in there don't we we do indeed so listen I'm going to go around the table here the virtual table and I'm going to get a score prediction from each and every one of you the liberal Tom the real liberal yeah, I'm I'm struggling on this one. I, I want to feel optimistic. I want to feel like we're gonna we're gonna really take it to them. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ear on that side, but I've got to take a sense of caution because I do reckon they are they've got quality in there, and if they if they bring their A game, we could see them start scoring the goals that we don't want them to do. So I'm gonna go for a, a three-two win again. I reckon we're gonna mirror just what we just experienced with Cardiff, but with a more football inside. Oh, oh, the yeah, lot. Well, um, if you remember last time we played them at home um, in our first season, the championship, it was one, It was probably the best game of the season, wasn't it? And we beat Bournemouth with 3-1. It was the year they went up and we announced ourselves as sort of challengers for the, for the playoffs. And, and in a way, I think it almost cemented us as a, as a championship team. We weren't going to be one-season wonders, wonders. We were a good side. Um, so I'm hoping for more of the same of that. So I'm going to go with a 2-1 victory this time. Oh, Oh, there you go. And I'm going to remove one of the Bournemouth goals and I'm going to go 2-0 to the mighty, mighty Vs, actually, on the, a few days after Boxing Day. So, listen, uh, I feel 
well, jolly, you know, after a couple of days ago speaking to Laney, who Laney's flown off, he's over in Dubai, he's in Dubai, he's, he's doing a bit of business out in Dubai at the moment now, so he, he's sunning himself over there, you know, but I had a, we had a bit of a Botox experience the other day, because my, my, my face was smiling so much after the Newcastle game, I couldn't really say anything, I was just like, sort of talking with me, <laughs> with my lips, kind of like, you know, permanently grinned into one position, and I'm still fairly grinned, and that's not anything to do with walking down the seafront with the wind blowing in my face either, so I'm very, very happy, we've done the business, again, Cardiff we've done the business against Newcastle but we have got a big game against Bournemouth that we need to get a result out of listen thanks very much for all your support again um, for you know supporting the besotted crew as well you know all through last year and all through Christmas as well you know um, and uh, as I said Kofi Robert Keane as well thank you for your support again you say Sergi's coming to the boil and you're very very true that Sergi is coming to the boil people are starting to notice it as well thanks for your support on that one um, Rob which is all good but listen we have got a big game we are very excited about this big game it's coming this week it's coming before the new year fingers crossed if we can get the points we will be very very happy about that as we say from the Christmas cheer as we all say come on come on come, come on UBs come on let's get them off let's, let, let's, let's, just, let's just, just do them let's just do them like, let's just get these points Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.